This is On the Line. From the capstone to the plains, in-depth coverage, opinions, and analysis of the most heated rivalry in all of sports, all things Alabama and Auburn are right here. Now, you're on the line with Noah Gardner and Jeremy Law. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Jeremy Law on Fox Sports Central Alabama, AU100 and Kicks 96.3. Or if you're listening to us on demand on SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio, make sure you go check out all of our content on RadioAlabamaSports.net or on FoxSports983.net ton of content coming out for you guys as we near the college football season and that's where we start off today's show talking about the recently released AP Top 25 poll but Jeremy before we get to that how you doing my man doing well Saturday morning we're so close to college football season it was what's supposed to be like there should have been some games some real games played last week but here we are getting ready to go Let's take a look at this AP Top 25 poll, and we'll read off all of the teams ranked. And look, the AP poll was very transparent about why they rank teams that aren't playing football this season. To my understanding, all the votes were cast already, so the poll comes out from now on, though. I don't know if they'll be ranking you know, teams like Ohio State and Oregon if their seasons aren't being played, but in the initial 2020-2021 AP Top 25 poll, here are your top 25 teams. Number one, Clemson with 38 first-place votes. Two, Ohio State with 21 Three, Alabama with two. Four, Georgia. Five, Oklahoma. Six, LSU. They have one first-place vote. They're the last team to receive a first-place vote. Seven, Penn State. Eight, Florida. Nine, Oregon. Ten, Notre Dame. Eleven, Auburn. Twelve, Wisconsin. Thirteen, Texas A&M. Fourteen, Texas. Fifteen, Oklahoma State. Sixteen, Michigan. Seventeen, USC. Eighteen, North Carolina. Nineteen, Minnesota. 20, Cincinnati, 21, UCF, 22, Utah, 23, Iowa State, 24, Iowa. And hey, Volunteers of Tennessee snuck in at 25, whereas we didn't see that in the coaches poll. They were sitting at 26 there, so they get the benefit of the doubt there from the voters. Seven SEC teams cracked the initial rankings. Another two are receiving votes in Mississippi State and Kentucky. Kentucky receiving 20 votes, Mississippi State receiving only three, so not a whole lot of love there for Mississippi State, but Kentucky definitely, if they were to upset Auburn, they're in the top 25 after week one more than likely, and Auburn's probably plummeting out of it if I had to guess, but you look at this this poll, and the first thing that you catch is how many SEC teams are in it. It's a heavy theme there of SEC, and in a 10-game SEC season when nine teams are in the picture of the top 25, you know that it's not going to be a cakewalk for anybody this year. Always, always heavy, though, in the SEC. Over the last decade, you've at least had, I think they've set records with teams inside of the top 25. They have continued to be the storyline of every preseason top 25, SEC bias, however you want to look at it. The best football in, not the world, but in any unprofessional, quote-unquote, level, any amateur level is right there in the SEC. The teams are stacked. They're loaded. They have the best talent in the country outside of a couple of other programs, including in Ohio State or Clemson. They're the best talent in the world is right here in the SEC, and there's a lot of the the league used to – a 
couple years ago, the league very top heavy. Now it is kind of where the top half of the league is always going to be in the top 25. It's not a top heavy league anymore. It feels kind of like it was maybe in year three or four of the Saban era where there's just so many teams bouncing around. When Kevin Sumlin first got in the SEC, they were all right there ready to play. LSU's back up there after winning a national title. It's going to be a very tough year for any SEC school to run the table. To your point about the SEC being the best amateur football league in the world, I bet if you took every single rookie that's going into the NFL this year that's from an SEC team and you made an NFL team out of it, so a team of NFL rookies, last year's cream of the crop in the SEC, and you made an NFL team, I bet you they beat the worst NFL team from last season. Who's that, the Browns? No. No. Who was who was the worst team? The Bengals. Yes, the Bengals. Oh, if you put Tua, Joe Burrow, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, uh, the offensive line class that went out, the defensive line class that went out, half of LSU's national championship roster, oh, there's no doubt. I mean, Prince Dago and Nongo could even find a place to play on that, on that uh, team. Oh, get out of here. But I, I agree with you that the, that the SEC, so deep last year with talent, and I think even deeper this year for a couple of teams with experience and guys coming back, that this could be a, an excellent year for SEC um, views and viewers and people being interested, but also maybe a bad year if you're looking to have, you know, the the one guy at the top sitting there at 9-1, 10-0. I'm not sure that's going to happen for anybody now. 8-2 and two, in the regular season I think could be like the – the highest anybody goes, other than Alabama, I think it would be Alabama at nine and one. Alabama's going to Alabama's never been undefeated in the regular season outside of once under Nick Saban. Well, one year with Jalen too, but it's going to be very tough for anybody to finish this stretch of games against this good of teams and this much talent at a ten and zero or nine and one. Going to be very tough. Main topic now here in the first segment, talking about assessing each team that's ranked in the AP Top 25 poll. I wrote an article on RadioAlabamaSports.net titled, Up or Down, the stock of every ranked SEC team in the AP Top 25 poll. And I looked at it, and I I tried to assess each team as their stock up or down going into 2020 for all seven teams ranked in the SEC. We left Mississippi State and Kentucky out of it just because they were receiving votes. So let's start it off. Let's go through each of these teams, and let's say what we think. Are they up or down heading into 2020 in comparison to where they were coming from last year, right? And so that that is your benchmark that you have to look at from last year to this year. Is stock up or down when you're looking at these teams? We'll start number three, Alabama. Where do you feel about the tide coming into 2021 in comparison to 2019? Not necessarily win total because you don't have the opportunity to win as many, more, as many games as last year considering you're only playing a 10-game schedule, but... Talking about eye tests, what you think about Alabama? Is this going to be Were a better they team or worse 2019? team? Yeah. Now listen, Alabama's stock up. I really think so. Now talent level, win total is going to be tough because you're everybody's schedule that is that much harder. Yeah, just exclude but that from this. Stock up for Alabama, a semi-returning starting quarterback in Mac Jones. Receivers are still there. Don't have any opt outs. Pete Golding in his press conferences last week, Noah. I was very, I was kind of intrigued by what he had to say. I did not expect Pete Golden to be the type of guy to take all the blame and say it's all on me, but he put it all on his shoulders. And if anybody in the country had a right to say injuries, 
young players playing because of injuries. It was Pete Golding, and I think you would agree with that. The guy had an uphill battle, but he didn't. He never really put it on that. He said, I got to do a better job at calling plays. I have to do a better job of getting guys in position. And to me, that speaks a lot about Pete Golding because there was an easy way out, and I've been making the easy way out case for Pete Golding since the middle of last college football season, even though I thought he was still doing a pretty bad job as far as guys being in position. But stock up. Alabama is one of two teams in the SEC that has a legitimate shot to win a national championship if we get a national championship. Similar to 2017, and I'm with you, the stock's up for Alabama this year. Similar to 2017, you look at this quarterback room. Jalen Hurts was the starter to a Tagovailoa. It was the backup, and there seemed to be more excitement about Tungvaloa than there was about Hurts going into that year, even though Hurts came off a year where everybody was campaigning for him to go into the Heisman race. And his numbers, they looked great. They were sexy enough to have him there. Just You kind of knew that he wasn't the Heisman winner even back in 2016. But I digress. This year looks like that similar year to 2017 where Mac Jones isn't inspiring confidence in every single college football pundit's hearts. He's not the t- he is the talk of the town in kind of a polarizing way. He's a polarizing figure. People either love him or they hate him. There's no in between here. His play. Let's put his play on the field. Yes, his play on the field. And then you look at what's behind him and everybody seems to love Bryce Young. Everybody seems to have a lot of hype re- revolving around this new talented young freshman that comes in from the West Coast. It's very similar to the Tua Tungvaloa situation that happened in 2017. And if things even don't work out for Mac Jones as planned as the starter in 2020, you still feel confident in the quarterback room to bounce back. And then you look at the rest of the talent coming back on the offense. I I think things will work out for Mac Jones, even if I don't think he's that great of a quarterback. I think things will work out because he's already got connections with two potential first-round wide receivers in the NFL draft next year. And on top of that, his offensive line is loaded yes. with four returning starters. And four of them, one of the one of the returning starters isn't a senior, but four starters on the offensive line are going to be seniors. And so a very experienced front seven, the offense is definitely what is the gem of this team. I think the defense still has some question marks. We still haven't seen Pete Golding proving himself yet. You look at Alabama last year, you pointed this out to me a lot. Statistically, this was the worst Alabama defense in the last five years. We've seen Alabama regress each of the last three years statistically as well, and they don't bring back a whole lot of starters on the defensive side of the football, but that doesn't matter. Alabama's recruited great. They've recruited stellar, and that's built them up enough to be able to bounce back How many starters do they lose on defense? I mean, it's more than half. they got five coming back. But a Dylan lot of guys Moses, play, Dylan though. Is Moses even uh, considered a starter on that defense coming back? I mean, like, He is considered a starter. <laughs> well, that, so they also include the other two linebackers that were starters last year. We only have two more. I don't think that's right. Pat Sertain, the whole defensive line is essentially back. I mean, LeBron Ray is back. I'm at like seven or eight guys now. But were they consistent? Like, yeah, they're part of the starting 11, and then, or did they get a lot of playing time? And so that was the caveat that I was about to attach to it is, Although these guys may not have been starters, they still played a ton. Yeah, the defense and, is easier to rotate guys in and out on. Yeah, and I get it. But the Mac Jones, I think the thing about Mac Jones is he's going to go into Week One the starter, and because of that, he's going to make it all the way to the Georgia game as a starter. Jalen Hurts, man, he is SEC Offensive Player rookie or Freshman of the Year. I think maybe Offensive Player of the Year his first year, and you just knew that when he played the big team and he played the big game 
against a good defense, it was going to be downhill. It would be a downhill for us, an uphill battle for him. You get the same feel about Mac Jones, but you don't know until he gets in that situation again, like Jalen Hurts against Georgia in the national title game. If Georgia's at Alabama and Mac Jones is struggling, does Nick Saban have the cojones to throw in Bryce Young? I don't know if he does because Bryce Young had never taken a – I mean, Bryce Young's going to have – I think he will have a lot of playing time over the first three weeks of the year. Just And Texas A&M is what, week week two for Alabama? Right there? I mean, it's right up there in games. I mean, it's, it's high up in the schedule as well. Alabama's got to figure it out quickly. And I'm not so sure. I think one of those first two games against Alabama's big-time opponents are the ones that Mac Jones potentially just loses it for Bama, even though they're both home games. Let's talk about Georgia. I think their stock's down this year. And I think it's not marginally. I think it's a lot. I, th- I think Georgia is not going to I, – th- I don't think Georgia's going to win the SEC East this year. I'm not confident, at least. Uh, they, they definitely have the talent from the recruiting that they built up over the years, but I'm not confident – without a shadow of doubt, that this is Georgia's division anymore. Kentucky and Tennessee are going to be much improved. Not that they would win the league, but they're there, and I think they're going to be relevant enough to possibly possibly throw a wrench into this. And I think Florida, with some of what they're bringing back, and so we'll get into Florida in a little bit, I think they could really challenge Georgia and possibly push ahead of them. But the biggest drawback for Georgia, for me, is what's on offense. I mean, they lost so much. They don't have three starters coming back on offense uh one of those is on the offensive line or two of those are on the offensive line it's right guard and a center and you bring back George Pickens a wide receiver and that's it now of course you bring in Jamie Newman who everybody's super high up about I get it he helped Wake Forest win seven and eight games respectively in the two years that he started there that's impressive doesn't have a whole lot of talent around him and now he's coming into Georgia where the talent level rises around him but also the talent level in opposition to him rises as well so does that balance out how good is this guy really we don't know but all I know is he's he's pulling around a stroller right now. He's got a lot of babies on his team. He's got a lot of he's he's rocking the cradle right now around him. And so I I don't know if Georgia's going to have things tidied, polished on offense well, they, at any point this year. They haven't had things tidied and polished on off and polished on offense really since Kirby Smart got there. The first year with Jake Fromm. And then Jake Fromm digresses his sophomore and junior year. Now they bring in Jamie Newman, who is probably has to be the guy because of this Georgia offensive line. They've recruited well up front. Make no mistake about it. Kirby Smart has out-recruited everybody in the country over the last few years. He's been right there in the top three or top four. But if you're Georgia, you're looking, we got to have the mobile guy back there right now. I've watched Jamie Newman highlights. There's a reason they call them highlights. It is the best moments that you've had. What are Jamie Newman's low moments? Nobody knows. What's Jamie Newman when he's facing real adversity in a game that matters? When's the last time he's in a real... When's the last time Jamie Newman was in a game where he says, man, we really do have a championship on the line in this game? Like game one of the year, every year that he's been the quarterback at Wake Forest. When has he been week seven, on the road, Florida Gators, cocktail party? I know they're not having... I don't think it's neutral site this year, but like when has he been in that situation? And they've been good. And he's probably a very, very serviceable, above-average quarterback, especially a college quarterback. But is he going to raise Georgia's stock considering everything that they've lost? And they bring a lot back on defense, and that defense is going to bail them out early, and it's going to be a battle for Alabama in week number four in, in Bryant-Denny Stadium. But, man, I'm looking at it, and I'm looking at it, and I don't see their stock going up. I can see it leveling out. 
New Year's Six Bowl, maybe representing the East in, in Atlanta and being kind of right where they've been, playing Baylor in the Sugar Bowl, that doesn't really matter. You look at their schedule, it's brutal. they got to play Auburn and Alabama both from the West, and the East is a much-improved slate. You look at Jamie Newman from last year, and I don't want to attack this guy as a quarterback. It, it's amazing how much scrutiny he heaps onto the guy now that he's the quarterback at Georgia. You talk about this guy as the quarterback at Wake Forest, everybody's like, yeah, this guy's good. We like this guy. He's a good quarterback at Wake Forest. He's the best quarterback Wake Forest has had in a long time. You look at his stats at Wake Forest last year, and I know they don't tell the whole picture, but he was a 61 complete, 61% completion percentage kind of guy. That's not overly accurate. That's and better than Joe Burrow was two years ago. I mean, that, that is was. Something that's, that's promising. Yeah, 2,868 yards, 26 touchdowns, 11 picks. So he throws to the opposing team a little bit too much with those 11 interceptions. Last year at Wake Forest, last four games, actually last five games, he goes one and four. And it's against teams like Virginia Tech, Clemson, Syracuse, and Michigan State. Some yeah, of those were the, offensive issues. Some of them were defensive the issues. Top, some, the top slash middle of the pack of the ACC, which is probably the you know halfway bottom of the SEC, Virginia Tech. I mean, they're okay. They're at what, Kentucky? I mean, that... If you're Georgia, Kentucky, you want to beat them. Yeah, if you're Georgia and you come out this year with Jamie Newman and you lose to Kentucky, Kirby Smart instantly has hot a hot seat. seat. I mean, these guys want to win, and I'm not sure that they're going to deal with a another year of a quarterback that looks just average, like Jake Fromm has looked over the last two years. You know, we said Kentucky want to beat them, but they did beat them in a bowl game last year. They played. I remembered that. I was like, why did I say that? Yeah. They beat Virginia Tech in the bowl game 37 to 30. I remember it was one of the last second touchdowns. I was eating inside a Mexican restaurant when I saw it happen. Uh, and so I, I'm with you. It's, we don't know what we've gotten Jamie Newman yet because it's hard to take him out of the situation at Wake Forest where there's significantly less talent than what's at Georgia, even if Georgia has a lot of freshmen and, and young guys playing this year. But it's hard to compare the situations because the talent level in opposition to him is going to be a lot greater at Georgia as well. The average team that he's going to be playing against 10 weeks this season is better by a lot on average of what he was playing against at Wake Forest last year. So, tough situation for Jamie Newman to walk in with so much inexperience on the offensive side of the ball, which is why I don't have a ton of confidence that Georgia's just going to run away with the SEC East this year. Let's do one more before we head to break. LSU, this one by, yes. This one by default has to be down, right? Way down, right? I mean, you're not going to win the national championship. You're not going to go 15-0. So, by default, it's down. We're taking it to the extreme of, way down and we've talked about this for like two weeks on the show now so we're not going to harp on it for long this is why this is a good one to end the segment with but you look at lsu and everything they lost they lost 17 start or excuse me 14 starters including joe burrow heisman winner you lose your offensive technician i believe the real mind behind the offense not oc steve insmeager but he was an offensive pass coordinator and then in my opinion just offensive technician he's gone defense coordinator dave aranda's gone he's going to go be the head coach at baylor all of that compounded on a 10-game SEC schedule. You just don't replace the sheer volume of talent that they sent off to the NFL. You don't replace it. And they might have worse problems than just losing two or three games this year. They might struggle to get to five or six because you don't have time to answer these questions on this schedule. You get something wrong for the first two weeks of the season, you could be 0-2 and then it's way out of your hands at that point because there are going to be some tough games later on in the schedule. LSU, you could almost make the case that if Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, or Georgia lost as much talent 
as LSU lost last year, they could do it. But LSU, over the last few years, they haven't been really in that top five. They've been circling back there, and I think that you know seven or eight mark, which in the SEC usually means that you're the fourth or fifth best team in the conference and maybe the third or fourth team in the Western Division. That is very tough. And everything, I, I won't call it a perfect storm, but for LSU it was a perfect storm. The play calling, the Joe Burrow, the wide receivers, Jamar. I mean, there's those guys. They were good. And listen, they look at their schedule last year. That's probably the only team that could ever make it through that schedule unblemished. And they did it with a high, I mean, high flying offense, fast up and down the field, and an opportunistic defense that made plays. So Alabama at number three, they're up. We agree there. We agree on all these. Georgia at number four down. And LSU at number six down. From here out, though, we got Florida, Auburn, Texas A&M, and Tennessee to talk about coming up. We may disagree on a couple of these, and we'll talk about them later on in the show. But coming up on the other side of this break, we're going to talk to Christian Page, contributor to CoverOne.net. And then we got Speed Round coming up later on the show. We'll wrap up the show, continue to talk about the AP Top 25 and assessing the SEC team stock heading into the 2020 season. You're listening to On the Line. You're listening to On the Line with Noah Gardner and Jeremy Law. We'll be right back. You're on the line. Now, Noah Gardner and Jeremy Law. Back on On the Line on Fox Sports Central Alabama, AU100 and Kicks 96.3 or on demand on SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Noah Gardner here with you, now joined by Christian Page, a contributor to the website CoverOne.net, covering the Buffalo Bills and the NFL Draft. Christian Page, an NFL Draft connoisseur himself. We're going to get to talk to him a lot about what's going on in the NFL Draft this coming up year. He also covers Auburn, and so uh, this is a great way to connect those two as we head into the 2020 season. Christian, how you doing today, my man? Man, I'm doing well, Noah. Happy Friday. That's right. Happy Friday, and we are now under a month until the start of the college football season. You cover a lot of NFL Draft stuff, especially pertaining to the Auburn Tigers, considering you're stationed here locally. Um, but... I'm sure you're excited for the college football season as everybody else is and hopefully a return to the sense of normalcy where we're talking about this upcoming season for the Auburn Tigers. Take me through who you think is the most bona fide NFL draft prospect off of this Auburn roster. Man, it's hard to shy away from just the ascension you've seen out of linebacker K.J. Britt. I mean, you saw him kind of burst on the scene, uh, burst on the scene, excuse me, uh, early in the season last year versus Oregon, came up with a lot of clutch plays in the fourth quarter and he just has a a lot of instincts you know he can he can play the flats very well he can cover backs and tight ends and he just has that mindset that really embodies what you think is probably a top 50 pick or a top three four linebacker in this 2021 class so if i had to put money on who the top guy uh coming in as far as draft prospectus goes i'd say kj Britt, the linebacker and about where do you think he fits in a round picture? I know it's really hard. It's really early. You guys don't even start really evaluating stuff like that yet. But in your mind right now, where do you think he sits as far as round projections go? 
Yeah, I'm probably thinking maybe late round two, so probably looking at day two, which would be rounds two and three, because if you look at some of the other top guys, Michael Parsons out of Penn State, who has already cleared for the NFL draft. He will not play at Penn State this season. Um, and then Dylan Moses returning off an ACL injury out of Alabama. And then Chaz Surratt, the linebacker out of North Carolina, that is a converted quarterback. So outside of those top three, I think that number four spot, maybe even that three spot's kind of up for grabs, just depending if you're breaking down just true linebackers and maybe not those you know hybrid players between defensive end bucks and just pass rushers but i think you're probably looking at maybe a top four or five linebacker in this class which would project them probably late uh round two but definitely i think on day two kj Britt, that's where he's still, uh, uh projected out at, at this point you mentioned chaz surratt out of north carolina what a bullet auburn dodged by not having to play north carolina this year on what is considerably probably going to be the best North Carolina we've seen the best North Carolina team we've seen in and potentially you know 20 years it really is and, and I went on record saying I thought kind of the Mac Brown hire was a little lazy and just North Carolina kind of freaked out and had to hire somebody that they were used to boy was I wrong but it's good to see North Carolina and Mac Brown take that step forward but next year at this time we're going to be talking about quarterback Sam Howell being possibly the number one overall pick he just burst on the scene uh, last year as a true freshman but just going into what would be his true sophomore campaign just embodies what you already see in a lot of just NFL quarterbacks but you're definitely right there's a there's a handful of North Carolina players that are going to be playing on Sunday so Auburn definitely did dodge a bullet in that week two uh, Atlanta game talking about the quarterback that Sam Howell would have been competing against in that week two game if it had happened Bo Nix and eyes are all on Bo Nix this year Auburn's one of the most enigmatic teams in the SEC literally every year but this year is no different considering Auburn brings back a lot of talent at skill positions but lost everything up front on the offense and the defensive lines so once again pressure is on Bo Nix as always for an Auburn quarterback what are you looking at for Nix to really show his development from year one to year two yeah and I think it just you know I I thought he was fine as a freshman and now it's just hard to see are not necessarily hard to see, but hard to maybe gauge of what he really needs to correct with a new offensive coordinator coming in with Chad Morris. So I definitely think that's helpful for Bo Nick stepping forward. But just, I guess, the obvious, you know, just the maturation process, understanding the speed of, of SEC defenses, understanding all the coverages, and just really having a lot of confidence in himself when the play breaks down. I mean, I'm not comparing his his necessary development to Joe Burrow, but you saw how Joe Burrow not necessarily was timid in his first year at LSU, but there was some potential that you saw in some of the arm strength, some of the anticipation, but you really saw him take that next step forward with a new offensive coordinator and just understanding and getting a grasp of those SEC defenses, especially in the SEC West. I think Bo Nix just kind of grasping that playbook, understanding the coverages, and just trusting his team around him. Obviously, like you said, they're losing everybody up front on the offensive line the running back situation is going to be a little different and now you're finally maybe seeing a healthy Anthony Schwartz a healthy Eli Stove and then having that camaraderie with Seth Williams I think we have to have high expectations for Bo Nix especially with a bona fide offensive coordinator like Chad Morris taking over the reins so Nix I just think if he you know he matures in some of those areas you're looking at one of the best quarterbacks in the conference taking a look at the SEC picture as a whole a theme of today's show that we've been talking about is assessing each team's stock that's ranked in the AP poll we didn't take a look at all 14 teams but all seven teams that are ranked in the AP poll we've looked at their stock going into the 2020 season for you whose stock is up this year that you think could uh, take a big step forward from where they were at last year or even just a, a little bit of a step forward 
Yeah, and it's funny because it's going to be Auburn's uh, opening opponent with Kentucky. I just think if Terry Wilson comes back from that knee injury 100% healthy, Mark Stoops has done a heck of a job with just getting that team on a competitive basis. And outside of, you know, the Floridas and the Georgias, I know Tennessee is kind of a trendy team going forward, but there's still a lot to be proven from Jeremy Pruitt and that coaching staff. But just the camaraderie and that chemistry Kentucky has, and they always have studs on defense. I know they lose a handful of guys as well on both sides of the football. But I think Kentucky, just based on what they return and just that consistency you see from the coaching staff, I think they're a team that could maybe sneak up in the back part of that top 25 and definitely make things interesting in that SEC East picture. Something that I've assessed two teams at the top and talking about downward trajectory now, Georgia and LSU seem seem this year like they could be heading for a little bit of a regression. Don't know how you feel about that. Talk to me a little bit about Georgia first. Do you think this team stays at about where they've been at, or do they take a step back considering all that they lost on the offensive side of the football? Yeah, I think you nailed it on the head. I think naturally you have to think really both teams, Georgia and LSU, but more importantly, Georgia taking that step back. Florida returns a bunch of high-caliber players, including their quarterback, some pieces on defense. So you have to think Dan Mullen will have that crew ready to take that next step forward and potentially be in Atlanta for that SEC championship. But with Georgia, we're still uncertain who they're going to have at quarterback. We assume Jamie Newman, the transfer from Wake Forest, but JT Daniels also granted eligibility coming from USC replacing DeAndre Swift at running back, replacing two offensive tackles that were selected in the first round, losing some pieces on defense, and their schedule doesn't start off easy when having to play Auburn, Georgia in those first, I think, a, the, the first two of the first four weeks, uh, and then they're just playing in a tough conference in general. So it'll be interesting to see, but I think naturally you have to think Georgia takes a step back just given who they do not return and just some of the, uh, the uncertainty and the question marks because this is not a conference where if you come in with question marks they're going to get answered right away and it may get answered in not the way that you're expecting I trust your quarterback knowledge mo- more than most anybody out there and uh, Jamie Newman it has been the talk of the town and when you're talking about the SEC football picture and a lot of people say that he's going to be the best quarterback in the SEC this year you look at his stats from last season he's a 61 percent completion guy at Wake Forest threw for about 2,700 yards threw to the other team a lot too though he had about 26 touchdowns to 11 interceptions what is your official opinion on Jamie Newman heading into the 2020 year it's going to be different because Jamie Newman's going to operate in such a different offense uh, that he did at Wake Forest. Wake Forest was kind of an RPO, but a little bit of a read option offense. Obviously, of what we've seen at Georgia, really of the course of its existence, um, we've seen just a very vanilla offense, a run first between the tackles, play action offense. So it will be different to see, you know, what how they're going to utilize him in that offense. But Newman, I think he just he just his pocket presence is only okay, and I think some of the mechanics. Um, definitely displays some of his shortcomings. But he uh, he shows some decent accuracy down the deep parts of the field. He kind of has a little bit of that clutch factor as well. But I think he's maybe limited in maybe what some of the expectations are for him because he's not maybe this dynamic runner a lot of people are trying to make him out to be. But he can be cool, calm, and collected in the pocket if he cleans up some of those mechanics. Um, but I, it's, it's hard to really assess based on what we're going to see as far as the evolution of the offense goes at Georgia because he's going to be off operating something differently than what he was at Wake Forest. Christian, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. Tell everybody where they can find your stuff. 
Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Noah. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at underscore Christian page and follow all our content at cover1.net. And just with all the updates, with we got now training camp coming for the NFL. And now there may be even some news about maybe the Big Ten returning to football. So we'll have some updates on that as well. So thanks for having me, Noah, and enjoy your weekend. Appreciate it, my man. You as well. You're listening to On the Line with Noah Gardner and Jeremy Law. We'll be right back. This is On the Line. It's time for Speed Round, brought to you by Allstate agent Lance Brown. If your upstairs neighbor's 200-gallon fish tank cracks and water rushes down to your apartment, is your stuff covered? It can be with Allstate Renters Insurance. Add it to your Allstate auto policy for as low as $4 a month. Renting is mayhem, so stop by or call 334-758-0088 and get a free quote today. Are you in good hands? We're back on On the Line with you on Fox Sports Central Alabama AU100 and Kicks 96.3 broadcasting right now across the state of Alabama. Noah Gardner and Jeremy Law with you. Jeremy, same rules as always when it comes to speed round. It's going to be two minutes amount for each of these six topics that we've got for you, and uh, we'll run through them each. You and I sharing those two minutes, talking about a variety of issues, and uh, are you ready to get it started? Ready to go. Question number one, Atlanta Braves. This is our only MLB question for you, Jeremy. Thank God. Is coming off a sweep of the New York Yankees. Took two games against them. Braves are sitting at 18-12 to 12 through the midway point. 30 games through a 60-game season. They are atop the NL East standings. Are the Braves among the MLB's contenders? And they found a way to weather the storm now after they've gone through all of those injuries that they had to sustain. Freddie Freeman hasn't been sharp. I mean, he's been a 260 guy for pretty much the whole season. Ronald Acuna's been out of the lineup. You lose uh, Soroka at the start of the season. And now you're just trying to piece it all together with some duct tape, and they've, they've stayed alive, but are they a contender? One of my favorite things to do is to just type in Braves after a Braves meltdown, a Braves loss, into the Twitter search bar. Not a Braves fan. Tampa Bay Rays fan. We're looking pretty good this year. Atop the Yankees right now. I will never, ever talk about baseball unless my Tampa Bay Rays are doing well because it's just so tough to watch. But the Braves fans' meltdown in this part of the country is fun for an outsider to look upon. And I think the Braves can figure out a way to put something together. I really do. I don't take I don't take light into their demise a lot of the times. And the Braves are kind of like Alabama football. They just find in ways that they just find ways to lose. They all, it just seems like that's kind of what the Braves do a lot. Infield fly back in, what, 2013, 2012, whatever that was in the playoffs. And that from then on, it's been like a just like a decade of, how oh, is this a Braves? This is like the most Braves thing ever. But the Braves, I think they can still. Just a decade? It seems like it's been for forever. Well, when you look and, at all the World well, Series in, in our losses. Adult, in our adult lives. And listen, they what they won yeah. the they won their division. How many years in a row was that at that little stretch? They have from like 1990. Yeah, but they couldn't win the World they Series, They couldn't win though. the World Series. They were like always winning their division. They're all. They're, nah, I mean, Only one World Series win after all of I those mean, appearances. Through, I mean, that, that's Buffalo Bills-ish in, I mean, Bills in the you, NFL. Think about who you had. You had Maddox, Smoltz. Uh, you had Chipper, I feel Andrew. like you should get a little bit more out of that. But it's harder to win in baseball. Let's just no, be honest. Listen, I think it's I almost it, that impressive some... that they went that long in a row. Yeah, but let's think about it. When the Red Sox had that roster, they got the job done over that, like, 12-year span. They won multiple World Series. Heartbreak for the Braves a lot. 
Uh, I, I think the Braves are on pace to have a chance, if that makes any sense. They had a good little series over the Yankees, a nice little sweep, and the Yankees are a good team in the American League. Don't ever, don't count the Braves out is all I'm saying. Definitely not. I don't think that they're among the MLB's contenders to be able to win the World Series because I just think there's a lot better ball clubs yeah, out there. absolutely. Braves aren't a playoff team, but they're playing in the NL West, and I know woulda, shoulda, coulda, but you look at the NL West standings and you look at who they're who are there. I mean, there's three teams that are above 500, one team that's one game below 500, and then you look at the cross division that they play against this year, the AL West, and you see the Hayes, who are one of the best teams in baseball right now, and then the Astros are there as well. The Braves are fortunate to be playing in what I view as the worst division in baseball right now. The NL East is abysmal. And it kind of puts into question, are the Braves even that good with the way that the schedule set up this year? Because you only play the NL East and you only play the AL East. And the AL East is decent, but I wouldn't say it's like one of the best divisions out there. It's not like we're seeing the Rays, the Red Sox, and the Yankees all be great the same year like we've seen in the past. Right now it seems to really just be Yankees and Rays, and the Blue Jays are bobbing their head up and down 500 like someone trying to swim out in the ocean. But when you look at the NL East, Braves are the only decent team, in my opinion, in the actual NL East. I mean, the Marlins, of course, are two games above 500. They started out hot now. You look at their last 10, they're 5-5. Five and five. Are they really that good? What happens when the season's over? What does that record look like? I just don't think the division is that good. No, the, the Braves are only six above 500, so I'm kind of um, – and the injuries, the pitching staff, the starting staff, bullpen's been fine. The starting rotation just doesn't do it for me, so I don't think these Braves are, are a contender. you got to have a little bit more in the arsenal once you get to the postseason, but we'll quit talking about baseball now. Question number two, when the schedule was, re- was released, there were rumors circulating that Alabama and Auburn would play early in the season to ensure that the game would take place. You kind of f- facilitated that to me too, so would you want that? This year or every year? This year. Well, I mean, Auburn, I mean, honestly, I would, for a win, for winning's sake, if Alabama played Auburn in the first three weeks of the year, they would, if it was played like Oklahoma and Texas, Auburn would never win an Iron Bowl. They, it was just, they just have no chance. Auburn is always a get hot at the end of the year type of team or completely tank at the end of the year. It's one of those two. This year, if it was, and I, it, it was reliable people like tweeting out you know, subtle things about the schedule. One of those Cole Kublik, like, this week one's getting ironed out with a capital I. Like, no, you did not. He said he, like, accidentally, like, tweeted that or something with a capital I. Like, no, you didn't. Some You heard something, and you wanted to throw something out there. I get I do it, too. I hear, it's funny, we're in the small, we're in a small market, and we still hear things, and I like to tweet them out. I know, <laughs> I know, I know a lot of stuff that's going on in the state house right now that I can just tweet out, and it's going to break soon, but. I'd like to, if it was this year, I would have loved it. But you just love it on Thanksgiving weekend, don't Not you? Not a doubt. You just had, like, the, the weekend where you blow smoke up the skirt of all your family members and you tell them that you like them. You really don't. And then, like, you hate them two days later because they're rooting for the other team. Nothing like it. I wouldn't want it any year to be early. Uh, it just doesn't feel right. Thanksgiving weekend, you're, it, it's, it adds to the rivalry but that it's not weekend. The, it's not the end. It's not at the end of the year now. Is it, is it really the same? Because I got a team after that we play. Yeah, I don't like the fact that Alabama's playing, what is it, Arkansas? Would you Auburn's rather just – A&M right after, you, I don't like that. Would you rather just play it on December 5th? Like, yeah. next week? I think so, too. Like, why not just back it up a week? What's the difference? Well, they they wanted to keep it on Thanksgiving weekend. Tradition. Exactly. 
It's gonna be. It's gonna feel weird when it rolls around that oh, we got a well, game for next you week. guys. We we play Arkansas. <laughs> Well, yeah, so if Alabama beats Auburn this year, you're like, oh, yeah, we get to coast to the SEC Championship. Practice game. Here we go. Auburn, they win. We're like, oh. Yeah, Bryce Young, four quarters, Arkansas. Yeah. But with that being said, I think I would rather have Alabama before A&M if we're just talking about, let's take names out of it. Take the rivalry aspect out of it. Just say Auburn's playing the best team in the country in the game before the last game of the season. I would rather play them before the last game of the season because AM could beat Auburn. AM's good enough to beat Auburn. I wouldn't want that game to be a distraction from me being able to prepare for Alabama the next week. And so now Auburn can go ahead, prepare for Alabama, and then prepare for AM. There is no distraction there. There is no looking ahead. You get it right there, right front and center. So I, I think I'm happy with it being on Thanksgiving, but it does feel weird. So I, I'm in my answer to that. Question number three What's your favorite offseason rumor that you've heard so far? Man, I have I looked at this question right when we got in here, and we've just been in so long of just riots, protests, coronavirus, quarantine. I'm not even sure I've been paying attention to the rumors. Almost everything you hear is a rumor, though. I mean, these days, yes. What's really true? I don't know. I know you have one that happened this week, so I won't steal your thunder. I just don't know, like any ru- what what rumors have gone. I thought the Iron Bowl week one thing got like got me pumped up. That going back to the last question. I was excited. And then it's still like week 11 or week 9. The game 9. I don't know. Best offseason rumor? Big 10 team is going to win the national title. I don't know. That's there's, not happening. There's a rumor circulating around that Bonex tours ACL. No way. Not a chance. They had. There was the rumor that Najee Harris messed up his leg. And it was just Brandon Cahoe, Ollie Cahoe with like a sprained ankle. That scared a lot of people in Tuscaloosa a few weeks ago. I remember that. That's more realistic, though. Like, running backs are getting hit in practice. Auburn's quarterbacks are not going live. Have you seen <laughs> – do you know how Dylan Moses tore his ACL last year? After a play, running back to the defensive formation, jogging, ACL gone. Just, just ripped out of his leg. I wouldn't – I mean, just because you're not getting hit in Tuscaloosa. I won't be shocked if Bo Nix went around everywhere in a hazmat suit. Auburn okay. is protecting that he man. Would, he would be in a – he'd look like the Michelin man. Another <laughs> favorite rumor is that uh, – Scott Cochran was actually going to be coaching on the field. And you can look at the injuries that are stacking up for Georgia right now in the strength and conditioning. Scott Cochran's still running that strength program. I don't care who you are. There's no way you don't believe that. Question number four, which SEC team do you think will experience the greatest upward trajectory in 2020? Who do you think is going to take a big leap? A&M. And I think that's obvious. We hammer that on the show all the time. Um, I'll I'll leave you one in the Eastern Division I think you could pick. But at Texas A&M, has all the pieces. They have all the pieces of the puzzle. They just have to put it together. And is the one piece of the puzzle that they're missing still the quarterback position? Because if Kellen Mond can't get it done this year, you look over the last four years and say, man, this was just who Kellen Mond was. He had the receivers. He had the defense. He has the offensive line. Solid running backs every year, too, by the way, at Texas A&M. Very serviceable. And they're still just completely hitting a 7-5 and five type of year. This is tough for me because, and I would agree with AM, but I still don't know if they're going to break through. I think it could really just be that's Kellen Mond because all of his development's already occurred. I, I really don't know. He might just, the only difference between Kellen Mond now and previous years, Kellen Mond, I think the peak, like best Kellen Mond, stays the same. I don't think that gets any better. But I think his worst comes up a little bit. I think his floor is a little bit higher because I don't think he's going to make some of the mistakes 
because now he is a little bit more experienced. Maybe he limits the mistakes. Maybe that is something that will help AM win a couple more games. But I want to believe that Florida is going to break through this year. I want to. I want to believe that they're going to make it to the SEC Championship. I'm tired of watching Georgia make it every year. You just, just for the sake of just variety and getting a different matchup in, in the SEC Championship, I want to believe that Florida is going to break through. And they definitely have the offensive talent to make it through to the next level. They still lost a little bit on defense. It's just, it, it's kind of a, some of these teams, they return a lot in one area. They lose a lot in some other important area. And so there are a lot of enigmatic teams. I think Tennessee's a team that takes a big jump, though. That's the obvious answer. Tennessee is to SEC East as Texas A&M is to SEC West. And both Jeremy Pruitt and Jimbo Fisher have their most experienced teams that they've had since they have taken their respective jobs. And they both so happen to be in their third years at the helm at both of those schools. And there are a lot of expectations. And if there is, if for A&M, anything less than second in the SEC West is going to be considered an abysmal failure. Tennessee, if they get to third in the in the East, surpass Kentucky, which did they even finish third in the East last year? I need to go and look at those standings because I, I, if they finished third in the East last year, they probably need to improve on that and get to second with the team that they've got this year because they brought back everybody. Next, I really still think next year is the year for Tennessee because it's the first. Next year will be the first year for Kirby Smart's team that the first guys that he was really able to recruit turned into juniors and they've been in the program and they set the culture. Tennessee went was third in the East last year behind Florida and Georgia. Yeah. It's hard to expect yeah. a team to surpass those two, but... Not this year. It ain't happening. You don't think so? You don't think they could jump Georgia? Maybe Georgia finishes third in the East and we get a little wild? I could see it. I could see Florida, Tennessee, Georgia. But, they, so in their, but I just think for a team that is built to face... They play the exact same schedule. Alabama... And Auburn, they both get them both. Georgia's just way better built to sustain to sustain a a season like that than Tennessee is right now. Not saying Pruitt can't get them there, but Georgia's in a better spot. And if I'm going to sit here and criticize Jamie Newman, I've got to criticize Jarrett Garantano. I I do think that there is confidence in Jarrett Garantano in Knoxville, and I think he's a serviceable quarterback, but he ain't better than Jamie Newman. So, yeah, I'm I'm with you there. That's a good point. Question number five, which SEC team will experience the greatest downward trajectory in 2020? I'm going to put an asterisk by this one other than LSU because LSU's going yeah. down. Man, when you look at – I don't know. Like, I feel good about Mississippi State a little bit because they got Mike Leach and people aren't going to know what to expect, similar to, like, you know, first-year Kevin Sumlin coming in and they have a quarterback. When I look at the SEC, who's really going to go down? Because it's felt like over the last few years you've had the top and then everybody else is just not very good. Kentucky, I feel like they've just been on a roll as of late. Can they keep things going? They should with Terry Wilson. The same bad teams are going to stay yeah, bad. Like it's, it's, can you say that Missouri's going to tank this year? They've been tanking for the last four. No, they won six games at least for the past two years. Six, six. It's not a lot, but like they could win less than six games well, this yeah, year. But, well, like they could playing. go below, below 500 is what I mean. Yeah, I mean, they could go 5-5. Five five. Arkansas is going to be 0-10. I think based on Missouri's schedule, the answer to this question is Missouri. So we had to pull the 13th-ranked team out of the division, out of the league, to say right. that they're going to go to 14th? I, just, I don't think don't Auburn plummets. I don't no, think any don't. of the middle-of-pack teams plummet. But I think no. Missouri 
Who's going to drop multiple spots inside of their division? Missouri. Missouri. Were they fifth? Well, they were already sixth, though. So I'm saying, like, can They were fifth. They were fifth. Who was behind them? No, they were sixth. Yes, yeah, so I'm saying. They were only – There's Vanderbilt was behind them. Good gracious. How did South Carolina finish ahead of them? I think South Carolina. South Carolina was fourth last year in, in their division or fifth in their division? Fifth in the East. Yeah. Four and eight, South, South Carolina is going – They have a chance to drop a couple spots and go from at least fifth to sixth, maybe seventh in the East. They're just not going to be good. Last question, which team in the SEC will be the most fun to watch this year? Not necessarily going to win it all, but who's going to be fun? I, you're just going to have Ole Miss and Mississippi State. I think all eyes on the Mississippis this year. Lane Kiffin, Mike That's Leach. So true. <laughs> I mean, what Mike Leach is about to do is something that we've never seen in the SEC. Even when Bob, remember when Bobby Petrino was the high-flying guy? Man, they're going to throw the ball 30 times today. Well, you're about to see about 40 more than that in the Mike Leach coached game in the SEC. Kylan Hill, he might as well. He should have transferred. He may not get the ball handed off to him. This I year. think just I mean, because of the two coaches and their personalities, that's going to be fun to watch. Lane, see, Lane was ahead of his time, too. Like, he, he was the spread guy in the early 2000s. Now everybody's just doing what he was doing then. Mike Leach is still the, the what was the, it was an air raid on NCAAs, like the offense you could select. There aren't many of those, I mean, and he it, is the him. There's not many Power so, 5 teams doing the Mike Leach right now, and he's been doing it for 15 years. Arkansas is going to be fun to watch for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> there's, there's going to be so many like butt-fumble moments for Arkansas. They just, I feel bad for Sam Pittman. Like You took that job, and then you got this schedule, but if you're Sam Pittman and you really wanted to be one of the dogs in the SEC – why take the Arkansas job? It is, I think it's the worst job. I think you can have more. No, Vanderbilt's the worst job. I was almost going to say, like, I have seen, I have seen James Franklin go above and beyond with the Vanderbilt. Arkansas has been to a BCS game though in the past 15 years. Yeah, I guess you're right too. I, Arkansas and Vanderbilt feel like they're in a very similar spot right now, considering where the the big boys are. I feel like. Oh yeah. And recruiting at Arkansas has been horrible. Horrible. Since Petrino, it's just been. Just Who was coach there? Can, do we have a Do we have a toilet flushing sound? Probably not. Coach but Arkansas. Chad Morris. Yeah. And then welcome to Auburn, big, big man. Big guy. What's his? Uh, Bil- Bilama. So it went Petrino, Bilama. Bilama. No, it went John L. Smith. Yo, John L. <laughs> oh, that was an interview. I remember that interview. You remember when Bilama was at Wisconsin? Dude, they're BCS bowling, baby. They're in the Big Ten championship. But now it's like, okay, where did Brett Bielema go? Was he that's still the Patriots right now? Like, isn't he an offensive guy? I have no idea. Man, that guy, like, he was, like, most popular, one of the most popular coaches in football. You know who Bielema reminds me of? Just in the face, what he looks like. Uh, was he butthead guy? No. Oh, man. You know, he's, uh, you know, he's one of those guys, right? You know Step Brothers, the guy who every time someone says the Catalina wine mixer, he goes, pow! Yeah. That's what he reminds me of. Maybe not necessarily in his personality, but in his face, they kind of look similar. Pow! It just felt like Bielema was the guy. Could, like, he's like, he felt like Arkansas. And then, like, nothing. Just, I don't know. He felt like Wisconsin to me. Three and nine, three and nine. Three. Yeah, he also felt like Wisconsin. That's it for Speed Round, brought to you by Allstate agent Lance Brown. If your upstairs neighbor's 200-gallon fish tank cracks and water rushes down to your apartment, is your stuff covered? It can be with Allstate Renters Insurance. Add it to your Allstate auto policy for as low as $4 a month. Renters mayhem, so stop by or call 334-758-0088 and get a free quote today. Are you in good hands?
You're listening to On the Line with Noah Gardner and Jeremy Law. We'll be right back. You're on the line. Now, Noah Gardner and Jeremy Law. Resuming what we talked about to open up the show today, assessing the stock of each team in the SEC ranked in the AP Top 25 poll in those preseason rankings. And we got through Alabama at number three, Georgia at number four, LSU at number six. Now we're going to reopen it back up with number eight, Florida. Talk about their stock. I think by default, if Georgia's stock is down, Florida's stock is up because they're going to yeah. have a, they're going to have a chance to to possibly break through this year. And I think it centers around the fact that they're one of the few teams in this league that returns actually a good quarterback onto their roster. With the top five quarterbacks in in the SEC, I think both ESPN released a list this week. Bo Nix was five. Mac Jones was two. I think they did have Trask at number one. Trask for sure is in the top five. I think he was at number one, though. Newman and Mond are in there, too. But Trask for sure is in that top five, maybe even top three. I think Trask was was one on that list, if I remember correctly. But but you have Georgia stock down. I think they're just where they have been, which to me puts kind of Florida able to go stock up. I think this is one of the first times – since Kirby Kirby Smart has had Dan Mullen's number over the last couple of years, I think this is the first time that Dan Mullen really has a chance to win this ball game because it hasn't felt like they've had a chance. It feels like they've had a good team, but they haven't had a chance to get to Atlanta. I was good last year, yeah, but I know Georgia stock the same to me. They could be right where they were last year or a little bit lower, but I think Florida stock up is the reason why you could say Georgia is a little lower, not the other way around. You compared the offensive situations of the two teams. Like I can see right now vividly Georgia struggling to score 30 points a game the entire season. At some point, you got to throw the football. And I, when I look at Jamie Newman, he throws the ball to the other team a little too much. And that's going to be tough. That's tough to overcome in the SEC. Look at Alabama. And I look at Kyle Trask at Florida, and I see 67% completion guy nearly threw for 3,000 yards last year, and, 20, and he's got 25 touchdowns. He knows how to throw the ball around the yard. He did have a good receiving core last year, and a lot of it's gone. Mm-hmm. But when I look at Florida's situation in this type of year where teams haven't had a lot of time to work, it's a rare commodity when you've got a quarterback as good as Kyle Trask coming back for your team to be able to lead your team. And so when there are some 50-50 games this year, like the Georgia game, I'm leaning towards Gator Blue. That's what I'm leaning towards. I don't think that Georgia is going to have a good offense this year and it's going to lose them a couple of games where if they can't... I mean, kind of the similar way to how they lost to South Carolina last year. Game goes to OT. It's been an ugly game. Jake Fromm's thrown a couple of just head-scratching interceptions. South Carolina kicks a, a field goal through. Georgia's missed a field goal. South Carolina wins. I mean, South Carolina's starting quarterback was on a stretcher on the sideline. <laughs> I hope that doesn't happen to Trask with this story, though. It just feels (laughs) like those aren't games that Dan Mullen really loses, though. You know, he he is always... I feel like Dan Mullen has consistently beaten the teams that he was supposed to beat. And he's also consistently, outside of a few other times, lost to the teams that he probably should have lost to. But now when you look up and down this schedule, you can say there's only one, maybe two teams that he should lose to. Well, I think it's only one. I don't think he should lose to Georgia this year. 
Yeah, he probably sh- and I don't think he should lose to LSU this year anymore. Well, then there's nobody on the that's schedule what I'm that saying, he should lose to. Georgia would be the only one that's like kind of up in the air. Texas they sh- A&M. And to A&M, yeah. Well, maybe, maybe you could say they should lose to Texas A&M. Is it at A&M? I don't know. Well, anyways, they that's one. That's one or two at the most. And Dan Mullen usually wins those games that he should win, going back to when he was at State in his first two years at Florida. Moving on to Auburn at number 11, and we got to move through these a little bit quicker, and I think my answer here is going to surprise you. I'm going to say down for Auburn this year, mainly by the way that people are talking about Auburn right now. Auburn's the most enigmatic team in the SEC. They return so much talent at skill position. They're one of those few teams with the awesome rare commodity at quarterback that's coming back with a lot of experience. And they've got studs at key areas coming back. But then you look at the trenches and you're like, oh, man, mass exodus of major contributors mm-hmm. alongside the offensive and defensive lines. If the trenches aren't an area of concern for Auburn, Auburn's competing for the SEC championship spot out of the West this year. If it is a problem, well, no, Auburn good. doesn't have a whole lot of time to figure it out because they got Kentucky and Georgia to open up the year. I'm going to say right now, entering 2020, down, but only because of what they lost I up hate front. to say stock down because they were – Nine and four. Nine and four last year. That's tough to say stock down. That's not, I mean, that's not super phenomenal. You beat Alabama. And they're probably going to beat LSU this year. So maybe yeah. you're convincing me here. Uh, but I'm saying I wouldn't say stock down. However, the trenches are going to be an absolute problem. If you can't stop the run in the SEC, you're going to have a problem. If you can't pass block in the SEC, you're going to have a problem. And there's a lot of teams on Auburn's schedule who are really good on the defensive line this year, mainly their two biggest rivals in Georgia and Alabama. They're playing some teams that like to get after the quarterback, and you're also playing some teams that like to run the football, and that's just not going to, to me, have a recipe for success for Auburn this year. They're going to have a good quarterback. They're going to have a good receiver. So I said it's enigmatic. They're going to have some good defensive backs, but Alabama has some good DBs last year. It doesn't matter if you can't get to the quarterback. And if you have to start doing – sending six or seven guys, then your DVBs, that's when your DBs just have their hands up in the air saying we can't cover it, we can't do anything about it. Yeah, It's like it's such a three-level game on defense. I think it's probably the biggest key, and Kevin's still a little exposed at the end of last year to me. I think when you look at Auburn, and my last point on it, high ceiling, low floor. All, this is one of those years where you just don't know how to throw the dart at the dartboard when you're looking at Auburn. You just don't know what you're looking at. And you know what they bring back is, is going to be good, borderline special, but you don't know what you don't know about, and you don't know a whole lot about what's coming back on the defensive line or on the offensive line for them when they've been now thrust into prominent roles. Defensive line guys that are coming back, they've been role players. They're not – role players isn't going to suffice at this level anymore. These guys have to step up and be major players, like a Big Cat Bryant. Big Cat Bryant's got to be the guy at edge rusher. You know he's been good as a role player. Well, now Marlon Davidson's gone. Now some of these other guys along the edge are gone. He's got to be that if Auburn's going to match that. But we got to keep going before we get out of here with today's show. Number 13, Texas A&M. Stock's up. We've talked about it already. These guys, they bring back so much talent. Maybe we should just skip over this yeah, one. Yeah, they're up. At the end of the day, though, and I said this in speed round, if A&M doesn't finish second in the SEC West, it will be considered a catastrophic failure for Jimbo Fisher, I, and he should be on the hot seat going into his fourth year. I think that they, it's going to be considered a failure if they don't win the West because – this is the year that you got to get it done. It's hard to kind of say that they have to surpass Alabama, though. Uh, somebody did it last year, and the team that did it last year lost everything. And Alabama's got a lot coming back. But my, for the expectation of we eventually want to, win, want to win the SEC or win the West. This is the year to do what, it. When else are you going to yeah, do this it? this is it. You're right. 
That's that's a true statement. Last one, number 25, Tennessee. Where are you at Stock. on supposedly your biggest rival? Yeah, Alabama's biggest rival. Top 25 now. Top 25 Tennessee Volunteers. Big Jeremy Pruitt guy. But you can't say stock up to me because I'm not sure. Like, they finished third, and they're still going to finish third. Okay. No, but I think their overall season, stock up. They're not going to lose to the BYUs and, and of teams of that nature because they're, they're gonna not be on the better. schedule. But they're going to feel better. They're going to look better. They're not going to look like Derek Dooley, Butch Jones, Tennessee. They're going to like, get smacked. They're going to look like a Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, Tennessee. It's what they're going to look like. Yeah. And uh, gonna, Tennessee fans are going to like it. They're just still going to finish in the exact same spot in conference. Yeah, they're not going to get smacked by Alabama and Georgia and Florida like they have in previous years. They're going to be able to compete better, but I, I don't know if they necessarily get into that second or, or number one spot. I think the expectation here, though, to grade this as a great year for Tennessee is if they reach number two, that would be stock up. I'm going stock up just because I think the team's going to be better and because it's going to compete better. they got 17 starters coming back. Aside from A&M, I'd say this is the second most experienced team in our league this year for the first time since Josh Dobbs I actually think they have the quarterback position figured out I think it's Jarrett Garantano all year long start to finish unless he gets hurt I don't think that there's ever going to be moving on to Mar or anybody else on the roster I think they like him he's their guy they won seven out of their last eight games last year they competed well against the one loss and against Alabama so for me we saw that trajectory start last year They've steadily improved every year under Pruitt. I mean, you look at the points allowed per game on defense. It went from 27.9 to 21.7 last year. Defense is going to be good. Offense, not a not a huge improvement, but it went from 22.8 to 24.2. The offense is the question when you talk about Tennessee, if they're going to win the big ones. If the offense comes out here averaging 30 points a game, oh, I think they beat Georgia. I think Georgia finishes third just, in the East. They're just not going to do it, though. They, I don't. I still don't see that being Tennessee's bread and butter. I think yeah. the defense is much improved. I think the quarterback position much improved. I just don't see them being a 35 points per game type of team. They're a betting line team. I think if you want to win <sighs> money betting on spreads, you take Tennessee a bunch this year because they are going to be very good as an underdog. You know what's interesting about Tennessee? Five starters back in the O-line, all of them above 300. One of Wetumpka guy, right? Who would it be? Kennedy. Brandon Kennedy. I don't have his location on my roster here, but he is a senior at center. And this yeah, group. He was hurt last year. I think it's an under-the-radar offensive line. I do. I mean, last year you look at the amount of sacks that they gave man. up. They only gave up 21 sacks last year. That's That's few. That is very small. It's the it's the running ball that they've got to get better. Only 4.1 yards per carry. If you want to win in this league, you got to run the ball. So, Tennessee stock up. A&M stock up. Auburn down. Florida up. Hey, that's all seven of the ranked teams. We talked about LSU, Georgia, and Alabama in the front and the end of this segment. If you missed that, you can check us out on SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio for the On the Line podcast. But other than that, that's it for Jeremy and I on today's edition of On the Line. We'll be back next week, same time, same place. You know where to find us, everybody. God bless. Thanks for listening to On the Line, a product of Radio Alabama Sports. To follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, find Radio Alabama Sports. For more episodes and show notes, visit RadioAlabamaSports.net.